G'day everyone and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast. Of course, all effort and no reward this week for the Crows uh, and a bit of a disappointing but not entirely unexpected result. But uh, without any further ado, rather than crap on about it, let's get straight in, shall we? Good evening everyone and welcome to the weekend wrap this cold and wet Sunday evening the 20, what is it, 29th of May and uh, welcome to everyone who's joined us on Discord and YouTube. Uh, Nikki was supposed to be joining me tonight but uh, she hasn't rocked up as yet so uh, I might be relying on the studio audience, the live studio audience to uh, keep me going tonight or else it's going to be a fairly short sharp and dry uh, (laughs) podcast but that's okay um never mind uh don't forget if you're watching on youtube or if you're watching on discord and you want to have your say tonight um then get on the discord live channel and uh you can pop your hand up and uh have something to say live on the show and uh it looks like unless nikki rocks up in the next 15 minutes I'm going to be looking for people to uh, to help me out, but that's all right. Look, without any further ado, why don't we get straight into the weekend results, shall we? Um, and we won't spend too long on this, of course, but uh, that's okay. Let's have a look here. Okay, so uh, we had a good game on Friday night. Swans over the Tigers by six points with a little bit of controversy at the end um, except uh, I don't think it was controversy I think sanity prevailed uh, which is a good thing and the Swans well deserved win there over the Tigers uh, we had the Lions uh, pretty gritty performance by the Giants but the Lions getting up in the end 16-14 to 15-6 14 points out of the Lions uh, the big upset, well, bigish upset, except I tipped it, which uh, doesn't say anything. Probably means it's a bigger upset than it otherwise would have been. Uh, but the Dockers getting up at the G over Melbourne with a couple out, 14-10-94. Free out of Melbourne, 7-14-56, a margin there of 38 points. Uh, we had the Bulldogs slaughtering a hapless and tanking West Coast, 25-11-161. To 9660, uh, 101 points there, and the Eagles pretty much putting bottom spot beyond doubt. Um, although they'll probably jag a win against us next week, but uh, more on that later. Um, the Suns, I reckon it was a, uh, a breakout performance from the Suns. The ones that they have not been winning are the ones where they're a 50 50 chance. They'll get the odd. Um, they'll get the odd upset win occasionally and they'll uh, they'll uh, beat lower teams but it's the 50-50 ones that they rarely get and this was a really good win by the Suns 18-13-121 67-point winners over Hawthorne 7-12-54 and Stewie G might have just locked up another contract there I reckon at the Suns they're going alright 
the Saints, 16-7-103, uh, shook off uh, North Melbourne, 7-8-50 by 53 points. North Melbourne, absolutely woeful um, skills. Uh, I lost count. I, I mean, I only watched this game for about a half, but I lost count of the amount of drop marks that North took in key moments. Uh, it was just ridiculous. Uh, a lot of work there to do for David Noble and the team. Uh, the Pies getting up uh, by four points over Carlton. I didn't watch the game, but uh, it sounds like it was a good one. And Carlton just slipping a little bit, um, but a good game nonetheless. Uh, the Power also shaking off a determined uh, second-half revival by Essendon, 9-12-66. 16-point winners over Essendon, 6 14 uh, that leaves us with the ladder, which uh, is taking shape still. Melbourne, 40 points on top. Brisbane, uh, out and out second on 36. Fremantle and St Kilda, 32 points each, followed by Carlton also on 32 points. Uh, Geelong and Sydney on 28 points. Western Bulldogs on 24 in the eight. Then we have Richmond and Collingwood out of the eight on 24 points. Port and the Gold Coast Suns on 20 points. Um, Hawthorne, G, uh, Hawthorne on 16 points. GWS and Adelaide on 12 points. Essendon on 8 points. And a raging battle for the Wooden Spoon. North Melbourne and the Eagles on 4 points each. Nicky still hasn't joined us, so uh, feel free, anyone who wants to uh, pop in and take it a and have a chat, um, feel free um, to stick your hand up. Uh, but let's get straight into the weekend's result for Adelaide. And it was a pretty pretty dismal game in front of goal, but a lot of effort for no reward for Adelaide going down. Uh, 7-13-55 by 42 points to Geelong in the end, 15-7-97. And you might think that that was a fairly predictable result, but we certainly had... Uh, a fair amount of the play early as everyone watching would have seen and uh, just squandered opportunities in front of goal before we get into any sort of analysis on the game though I just want to talk about selection real quick not real quick because I think selection was actually key to this particular game and I'll be happy to uh, read the the comments uh, have a comment about what you think about selection? Um, I've got the wrong one up there. Adelaide Crows Melbourne, that's not what we want. Anyway, I'll shut that down for a minute. Um, the inclusions of Matt Crouch and... Well, let's talk about Matt Crouch first. The inclusion of Matt Crouch, in my opinion, was just a signal that this club has not moved on from rewarding seniority over performance. We had Jackson Haightley and... Um, Sam Berry just starting to gel as a midfield combination um, and this week as predicted with Matt Crouch back in the side um, I think Jack Haightley had 13 centre bounce attendances which was half of the total 26 for the game I think Jack Haightley only had uh, Sam Berry only had 8 and as a consequence our Clearances, even though and even though when we look at the stats, we'll see that we actually did all right statistically in clearances. The effectiveness of our clearances just went down the toilet. Um, it was a situation, in my opinion, where uh, 
there just wasn't any quality coming out of the middle apart from a brief patch um, in the third quarter where we got a couple of clean balls. But um, I just... The amount of times I saw Matt Crouch handball to a stationary target or to a player that was in trouble or under pressure, um, I didn't see him actually drive the ball forward at any stage whatsoever, Matt Crouch. And I just don't understand. I know he had 30-odd possessions uh, in the twos, but we've got to actually start looking at quality rather than just quantity. Uh, because the positions that Sam Berry and Jack Hately have been getting over the last couple of weeks, in my opinion, have been more valuable, um, and they need to start thinking about what they want the midfield to look long-term, because surely, surely they can't think that Matt Crouch, given that they shortchanged him in his last contract, they tried to get rid of him and no-one wanted him, surely they can't think he's best 22 you can't think that Matt Crouch is best 22 if you give him a contract like that. But Matthew Nix can consistently plays these players that aren't best 22 on the basis that they're senior players. Now, I don't know whether he was trying to limit the damage and shield a couple of players um, from Geelong at Geelong, but I, I just... It blows my mind. The other interesting selection of course, was Riley O'Brien. Now, uh, Riley O'Brien probably justified his selection, but I have to ask the question, with Riley O'Brien's effort being up about 50% on his previous efforts prior to being dropped, what was the problem? You know, what was the problem? Riley O'Brien is in the leadership group, and why does he need, as a senior player in the leadership group, to be dropped to the twos, to be reminded about effort um, there's still massive question marks about his ruck, rucking ability I saw plenty of times where Riley O'Brien chucked it straight into the, the path of a, um, a Geelong midfielder um, he taps to convenient areas for himself rather than convenient areas uh, for our uh, twos and uh, I just don't understand why they don't get around him and actually start setting up and getting him to set up appropriately so we get some good CBAs. Now, Macca, if that's you in the audience and you want to come on because Nicky hasn't turned up, feel free, mate. Come on board because uh, people are going to get sick of my voice in, in a big hurry. So uh, I'm sure they'd love to, to hear your dulcet tones. So I'll give you a little bit of an invite here. And uh, feel free to come on board, mate. Macca, how are you going? Oh, I can't hear you. Hang on. How you going, mate? Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. All right, mate. Uh, I haven't got my headphones on. I haven't got my wife watching telly in the background. I just can't go get my headphones, mate. That's all right. No problems at all. Uh, we can hear you. So how are you going? Uh, that's traveling all right. Um, yeah, it's got a bit of a problem, as you know, at the moment. But uh, yep. we'll get through it. Getting through it, mate. And you see much of the footy on the weekend? All of it. All of it. Very good. Well, I've already done your roundup, so... <laughs> I'm just... You probably heard I was just ranting about selection and already covered Matty Crouch. Can you can you give me a reason, Mackie? You're, you're far wiser than I am. Can you give me a reason why Matthew Crouch was selected this week? 
logically no. Um, <laughs> you have to have to try and guess how their mind are thinking because um, if you're looking at the overall development of the squad, well, the answer is he, should, he shouldn't have been there. But I think that Dix is getting a little bit itchy around the backside with all the losses, and he was hoping that bringing in a couple of experienced players might help him get a win. Um, also, there could also be the side thinking that maybe if they get a little bit of form out of Crouch, they also they might get a better trading off at the end of the year. Look, maybe. Uh, I'd certainly, if you're relying on Matthew Crouch to get your win, <laughs> then I think you've got bigger problems because Matty Crouch at the moment isn't an AFL standard midfielder in my opinion. He's not fast enough. Um, he gets plenty of possession, but they're all junk. Uh, he doesn't give the ball to advantage. He usually plays teammates into into trouble. Um, you know, uh, I just... I don't think his selection was justified. And the thing that, as, as I was mentioning just now, the thing that really annoyed me was the fact that we were just starting to build a little bit of momentum with Berry and Jackson Hately uh, doing some good work in there over the last couple of weeks. And I just don't understand why he would want to break that combination up. Sam Berry only had no, eight not, centre bounce attendances on the weekend. I'm on the same page as you. I agree with what you're saying. I'm just trying to think what their heads could have been thinking in bringing yeah. the crowd back. Yeah. Because, um, and because logically, um, when you when you build rebuilding, you take your kicks and you and you rebuild with the players that you think that are going to take you to eventually to be a reasonably good side. Yeah. And uh, and start the growth. Um, I don't think there's too many people who logically think the crowds is amongst that group. Um, and he's look. It's not that he's not a player that can't get the ball. He can get plenty of the ball. Um, it's once he's got the ball, he doesn't hurt any other side. So no, and that's not that's not going to take the side anywhere. You take Saligo for example. Saligo would have had probably half the position, maybe of, of Crouch or maybe two thirds. But I thought he was much more damaging. He's only a junior, and that's that's exactly where we want to be going. Yeah. Yep, I agree with you, mate. Uh, it was very odd. Um, of course, Geordie Butts came back in, which was a logical one. Um, but the other one that I want to talk about, and I can even find less justification for this one, is Wayne Miller. Why, Macca, why? Well, <laughs> well, he put up such a pathetic performance. Seriously, I reckon, you know, the leap blew past me with a chatting himself. I mean, he... Physically, he, he was just so far off and it's not funny. And in terms of his judgment of what was going on, he he started actually in the last quarter to just read it slightly better. But, uh, no, look, he was miles off. There's no way he should have been in the side. No. Well, I can't think of a reason why they would want to play him. I Like... His form in the twos didn't even justify it, Macri. It wasn't as if he was setting the world on fire in the twos. You know, nothing about what he'd been dishing up justified his role. The 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 only question that in my mind was, was he brought in for Indigenous round? I don't know. But if that was the reason, good then... Point, good point. 
If that was the reason, yeah, then look, someone needs to be drawn and quartered at the club. For goodness sake, he looks so we, off the pace. Yeah, yeah. Like Indigenous round, and we would have been as skinny as anything from the number of Indigenous players. You look at some of the. Um, I can't remember which team it was. Where I think it was the Melbourne game, where there's six on one side and five on the other side. There was eleven on the mouth there. You take a look yeah. at Richmond; they had enough players there to do a corollary. Um, yeah, and we took out if we took ours out there, uh, the ones that are playing. Well, well Shane McKenna. Two of us here. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I, I really think it was, of, mate. That could have part of the reason, man. I, I actually think it, it occurred to me on uh, on Saturday night. I thought, oh, I reckon that was that was what it was. I reckon it was Indigenous round. No other reason. No other reason. Um, look. The other thing, I guess, again, we had the situation, Mac, where we... And, look, everywhere I read, anyone that had any clue was gearing up for another situation where Tom Stewart would play quarterback, run around like an unregistered dog in the back lines for Geelong and just sweep up. He had 2,053 touches, about... 250 uncontested marks and at no stage Mac at no stage did it occur to our coaching group our esteemed coaching group to actually make that man accountable unbelievable I tweeted exactly what you just said I mean um, if you go back to the Frio game and they actually beat them down on that tongue alphabet oval um they actually made every one of their backmen accountable. They had six forwards on six backmen, six backmen. and it takes away the game that, that uh, Geelong would like to play. On the other hand, we've got stupid us who just left him there, and if, if we ever did make him accountable, we're happy to leave the colleague there who played the best game he's played for a short career. He's only a really good player, by the way. Um, but, uh, no, the... the the only way I could describe the coaching would be pathetic. Sorry, you're just, you're just fading off there, mate. I'm sorry, mate. Um, the only way I could describe the coach would be as pathetic. Yep. Look, it's contradictory. If you're going, if you're going to bring in uh, a bloke like Matthew Crouch uh, to try and shore up or give experience to the midfield then you're obviously trying to win the game. But then on the other hand, not only like leaving this, the strategy aside, we just did not match up well in our forward line. At one stage, like we had, we had Tilthorpe and Fogarty up forward. They, they have um, De Koning, Stewart, Colladesny, Zach Tui, like... These blokes just absolutely destroyed us in the air. If it wasn't Stewart that was taking uncontested marks, it was that that lad to Koning who's going to be an absolute star, Macca, isn't he? Something. Um, yeah. You know, but we had McAdam, Fogarty, Lockie Murphy, James Rowe, Riley Thilthorpe. We had Jordan Dawson up forward. We played Sam Berry up forward for long periods of the game. Um we were just completely Ned McHenry, Wayne Miller, and we bombed the ball in high. It, it, it just no, there doesn't seem to be any logical 
um, system to our or connection between our selection and our game plan at the moment? Well, I really wasn't sure what our game plan was. I, I know what it is overall. It's to hustle and to bustle and to make uh, and be physical as possible, uh, force the other side into errors. Um, but that can only last so long because physically you can't maintain that. And you saw what happened as the game went on from about halfway through the third quarter onward. We just couldn't maintain that pressure. We get, we're going to have to develop ultimately a better game plan than that. I mean, that's got to be part of the game plan, but it's got to be more sophisticated than that because um, physically you just can't maintain it. Mac, I've come to a conclusion um, after the, the, the run of three games because we failed to man up um, Hill previously against the Saints. We failed to man up against uh, Brisbane. Uh, we failed to man up against Geelong with their, with their loose. We were content to, to stick... Geordie Dawson back this week against Geelong. We wanted to have an extra around the contest, so that left Stuart free. Uh, I don't think, tactically, Matthew Nix is up to it. Um, I don't know how much uh, sway he has uh, in, in on game day in terms of uh, strategy and making calls or whether he delegates it to his assistants or whatnot. But at the moment, there's a disconnect between what they talk about when they sit down on a Thursday night to select the team and what they do on the weekend in terms of execution. The other thing, the, the big realisation, and I think we've probably skirted around this issue for a while, Mac, but I think it's reality. We just don't have the talent. We don't have the talent. And I, re- I really think that the reason Matthew Nix is so heavy on uh, contested ball and uh, coalface work is because that's about all we've got right now. We've got no polish. Well, that's because of, that relates back to not not the last draft and maybe not the last draft before that, but there were four consecutive years before that where our drafting was being done as if we were drunk at the time and when we made our choices. Um, yep. And, you know, we've got that massive gap of players that should be around about 23, 24 years of age and you know, starting to be dominators and uh, really good players. Instead, we've got we've got them hanging around in the twos or if they've played and they don't do much at all. And that was yeah. very bad drafting. Yeah. Um, and that's what Nix has got. So it's hard to actually pin it all on Nix. Um, I, I, do, I do pin it upon him uh, with the situation, allowing Geelong to have... Uh, Either one of their two back and back there, uh, they kept alternating. But um, there was always one back there, and we, everybody knows that's their plan. Everybody knows it. You know, it's it, been I that know plan. It. It's been their their plan every time we play them. What they do? Yeah, it, when they made plan for the game, they should have planned to cover that particular uh, position because that's what they've done to us every time, and that's why we will never beat them down there. Uh, while we allow that to happen. But, and then having come back to that, so we've got Nixon stuck. He's, he's in a little bit of quicksand, really, because he hasn't quite got the players. I totally agree with you. And it's going to take him probably another couple of drafts and a couple of years of trading to have um, a side that's competitive and that maybe might have a chance to get into the eight. The, the, 
I, look, I don't disagree with you, Maka, but then it flies in the face of um, everything that you're saying, that the blokes that are showing a bit uh, are getting messed around. Like I, I keep coming back to Berry and Hayley, who are putting through, together a good little patch of form and, um, you know, uh, just get shuffled out for the sake of a senior player. Um, and our midfield just locked, lost any dynamism as a consequence. It, it was just stagnant. It was flat-footed. No one could get any separation. We couldn't get the ball to the outside. You know, and a lot of people saying that, um, you know, we're bombing it into the forward line. Half the reason we were bombing it into the forward line is because we just could not get clear of Geelong. And the reason we couldn't get clear is because we have all these slow inside midfielders like Crouch and Laird and whatnot. They can't get separation. They are good distributors by hand out of out of um, congestion. But ball in hand, they can't get separation. So we end up kicking hurriedly. The amount of times I saw Brodie Smith or Rory Laird or, or even Jack Hately for that matter hoofing the ball from the back of the con- contest after getting a chain of three or four quick handballs sort of uh, to flat-footed midfielders and having no choice but to just hoof it from the backside of the contest, it's not sustainable. But if you're if you're if that's what's happening, if you're a coach and you see that that's what's happening, surely you try and make the next guy accountable. Tom Stewart, chuck a Mitch Hinge back there, or do something for God's sakes. Like you just can't rely on getting more of the ball forward. Like I, we'll go through the 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 um, head-to-head stats in a minute. But the inside 50 variation was horrific. And most of the reason for that was we were just blindly kicking forward. Yeah, well, like that, that's just absolutely totally unarguable. Um, and, uh, you know, the one thing we do lack, even though we've got Perry and uh, Hately, who I think are playing reasonably good footy, we still miss that quick mid to for the quick handball out to go forward very, very quickly. And that's, that's what the good sides have. But, you know, they, you have the... Uh, I think the Bulldogs do it better probably than most where they've got they've got blokes that go really hard inside, but then they've got to fire it out to a Smith or to a Dunkley or to somebody like that and or to do a Trelaw. Um, yep. They can burst away. We don't have that. And, we you know, we structure around every midfield... Uh, Sometimes I cried when I look at the position where they were standing. There was just no way that we were ever going to do anything where they were, where they were standing. Sometimes they're just standing where the ball couldn't possibly be hit. Um, so, um, so we, we first of all, I think we lack we lack class midfielders in the sense of the really top graders. And then apart from that, we do like, we really do lack that breakaway midfielder. Yeah. Um, Harry Schoenberg looked like he could have been a bit of that, but uh, he's struggling a bit with a few issues at the moment. And uh, as a consequence of those issues, uh, he's uh, down on form. Um, but yeah, there are other... Off-field issues, yeah. What, sorry? Off-field issues. Off-field issues, yes. Um, uh, perhaps behavioural. Um uh, but he's got to get through that, and the club's got to get through that. Harry has to decide whether he wants to be an AFL footballer because he's got loads and loads of talent. And um, if he wants to maximise that talent rather than squander it, uh, then he's got to he's got to pull his finger out um, because he's potentially one of the pieces in our midfield that we really need. Luke Peddler's another that really has to start 
getting on his bike. Um, I hear the, the calls about his engine and all the rest of it. Well, he's got to do something about that. Um, uh, Schoenberg hasn't lost confidence in the coaching staff, Bobby. Uh, Schoenberg's been a bit of a lad. Um, so, um, yeah, so we've got Pedler in the twos. Zach Taylor is looking all right in the two. Um, um Jake Saligo is looking really promising. I really like the way Jake Saligo um, has been playing since he's been introduced back into the team. Um, so there's a bit there to work with, but for God's sakes, Matt, those guys are not going to develop in the positions that we selected them or drafted them to play if we're messing them around and not giving them meaningful midfield minutes. You know, we run we run basically five blokes through the midfield for the whole game. You know, and the majority of those centre-bounce attendances are Laird, Crouch um, and someone else. You know, it's just uh, Ben Keys. It, it's just horrific. It's it's poor development in my in my view. They may not be the they may not be A grade players, but they're the best players that we've got. Um, and we need to find out whether they've got got what it takes to take us forward in the midfield. Now I see someone just joined Macca called Nikki. Nikki. It was Watch Pete's out. night. No, it wasn't. Pete's night is the fifth. It's written there in black and white on the podcaster's uh, channel. That's I just right. thought you stuffed up the dates because you went Macca, Pete, and then me. Eh? Never mind. You get your own cockwomble this week. <laughs> well, I'm not going to be. Well, the 14th is not going to work for me because <laughs> I'm in uh, Melbourne. We can, well, we can work at that out afterwards. But thanks for joining us, Nick. It's lovely to see you. Um, <laughs> we're just talking about selection. Uh, the other thing is, again, we went far too short up forward. Now, Kieran Strawn hadn't done a bad job. Um, and, you know, Rolly O'Brien towed them up in the two, so it was worthwhile having another look at him. What was wrong with playing both of them? Playing both of them. Someone's feeding back. Someone. Macca, that's you. No, that's just, no, I just put my headphones on. Right. <laughs> what What was wrong um, with playing both Strawn and, and Rolly O'Brien this week, given the height they had in defence? I, I thought it was a perfect week to try it, wasn't it? Absolutely perfect week to try it. And Strawn did absolutely nothing wrong and did not deserve to get put back to the twos at all. Well, I, well, I think we were, we're all in, in agreement with that, Nikki, but um, we think we were talking about selection overall before you came on. And, you know, for example, Crouch and Miller are coming back and Crouch was what Crouch always is and Miller was so far off that it wasn't funny. I mean, Miller hasn't been burning the house down at um, SNFL level. They've had to move him around to try and get him into form at that level. And when they brought him in, they put him on the half-forward line and he just kind of ran around where the ball was and that was it. It was a useless piece of selection and, and I think it was actually probably a setback for Miller. I, I mean, we don't have to go over that one again, but I don't understand. I, I just feel like, again, when you look at uh, the makeup of the Geelong side and with Tex going out, we, we were down to two, uh, 
you know, tall marking target. Well, you can't even call Fogarty a marking target, but let's let's put him in that bracket with uh, Tilthorpe. Uh, McAdam, who uh, has been playing well, but is a medium-sized third tall. Um, you know, we don't see Lockie Gallant come back in. So we basically don't see anyone come back in, come in for Tex Walker. You know, uh, Wayne Miller came in for Tex Walker. Like, just ludicrous, given that we know that Geelong play tall in defence. And then we bomb it in. We don't actually work... Like, when we had um, set plays from, from outside 50 and, like, a free kicker, a mark, you know, 70 or 80 out, we just bomb it in. We don't work it around the arc. We don't try to spread them. We don't try to make space. When we did actually try to do that... Fogarty, that's when Fogarty was at his most effective. When we were creating little pockets for, for Fogarty to run into, that's when he was effective. And it was really good to see Darcy make the most of those opportunities. But too many times we just played straight into their hands and we basically relied on them messing up in defence for us to be able to score. Yeah, every time they bombed him in, DeConnick was quite capable of either marking or spoiling it because he's got... Uh, I think he's 204 centimetres, Fiend, which is a pretty good, pretty tall guy. And yet, he, yet he's mobile, he's, he's balanced, he's, he hasn't grown into himself properly yet, but, gee, he, he's, he, he's got to be a football and a half, that boy. And, but yeah. as you said, we just played right in their hands by keeping just bombing it in. The few times that we did uh, kick it into a space where Fog could lead to, yeah, he did the right thing. But it's just proved the old question that you... You just can't play Tex and Fogarty in the same team. No, that's right. So what do we do? There's a few whispers around that uh, there's some interest from Brisbane on Fogarty, which I find surprising, um, but I've seen that a few places now, um, that uh, Brisbane have had some chats. Um, I don't know where he fits into Brisbane's forward line, but anyway. Um, but this this is the thing about... Uh, oh, you know, I know Tex has been going okay, um, although the last couple of weeks he's been quiet and he's been missing uh, opportunities. But we made a call with Tex a couple of years ago to continue to, to back him in, and I think that was to, to Darcy's detriment. And this is another situation where we'll never know whether Darcy would have grown into a footballer in those couple of years. But the fact is that as a consequence of Tex being in the, being in the side... We never, we never found out. You know, we never, we never worked out whether Darcy was going to work as a, a you know, a, a leading, a lead up forward. So now we're in this position where Darcy's five, five or six seasons in, and down on confidence. You know, all the rest of it. And I thought Darcy played quite well on the weekend um, for the opportunities that he got. But you watch what happens when Tex is right. Tex will come straight back in. Fogarty will either get dropped or he'll get pushed to a pocket. And we're back to the same old structure that has not worked for us for a long period of time. Yeah, The interesting thing is that you're talking about the possibility that other teams might be interested in uh, Fogarty, but um, there's a rumour going around, or a little bit more than the rumour, that there are clubs prepared to offer Walker a two-year contract. Um, so... If it came to trading off Walker or trading off Fogarty, who would you be trading for? Whoever gets us the most money. Oh, well, I mean, no, I'd, no, actually, that's not true. I'd be getting rid of Walker. Walker is not part of our next premiership side, so you would get rid of him. We Look, 
Maka, in my humble opinion, and I've said this on on this cast previously over the course of the last few years, in my humble opinion, we overrated our 2017 grand final. We we made the 2017 grand final on the back of an even year, um, a soft draw, two good home finals. But we actually weren't as good as what we thought we were. And if our list management committee were professionals and had good metrics and actually actually looked at things objectively rather than subjectively, they would have known that at the end of 2018 that they needed to turn over the list then. We had blokes on the table that we could have got rid of, but what we did, we got rid of low-hanging fruit, we kept playing, um, you know, bets, we kept playing Gibbs, we kept playing Walker... You know these boats, the the Crouch Boys, etc., etc., and as a consequence, we just fill in a big, great hole, and this is where we're at now. So until and the club is just repeating its mistakes, Nicky and Macker, in my opinion, by continuing to play Walker, continuing to play Matt Crouch, uh, Luke Brown's another. You know, Chase Chase Jones gets dropped. Luke Brown hasn't done anything for six months. Chase Jones gets dropped on the back of one bad game where he got the shit beaten out of him halfway through the second quarter. He comes on in this game for a quarter and does more than Luke Brown's done in the whole game. <laughs> when are we going to learn? When are we going to move? When are we going to learn that we are not in a refresh? We are. Our list is absolutely cooked, and our senior players are not good enough. They they had their chance. The senior players had their chance. They had their opportunities. And yes, they had to fight through 2015 and the tragedy there. But their peak was 2016. They got a good draw and made the most of it in 2017 and got found out in the in the, in the game that matters. 2018, they fall apart. It the 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 party should have been broken up at that point. And at the mo- <laughs> as a consequence, we're 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 a mess. Our list is an absolute mess. Well, it's interesting because it did look like we were serious about the whole thing when we, uh, uh, Talia, even before it turned out, it was a very good choice uh, because he ever played all year, but Talia wanted to go on and we, we told him no. Um, we got rid of Lynch when there was, when he had played some good football. We got rid of number 14, David McKay, who we all missed tremendously, who was playing very good football uh, at the time when, in his last year. Uh, so... When those three players, we looked like we were deadly serious about uh, not playing the older players and, and playing the younger players, and that uh, if it came to the choice between a young player or, or an older player not playing so well, we would play the younger player. But that seems to have played into the background this year. So, Nicky, is it a matter of... like Because it seems like... And you're, you're dead set right, Macca... The list management committee, which Rue sits on, as well as Matthew Nix, as well as um, uh, Kelly, Adam Kelly, I uh, can't remember who else is on it, Any, uh, Haggis probably. The list management committee seemed to draw a line in the sand uh, last year, uh, but selection hasn't followed suit. So where does the problem lie? I'm starting to wonder whether... We and we as a club have failed over the last ten years to walk the line between 
culture and workplace harmony and professionalism. Because to me, we value culture and hard work more than we should at the expense of um, professional performance. 100% spot on. What do you think, Nick? Yeah. Oh, uh, totally. Um, There's... We know there were some issues within the club. Um, we know they were trying to rectify some of those issues, but I think what they've done is they've gone too far in one direction around that. And, I mean, the, the case in point regarding, like, Walker and Lynch was, well, we had to keep, if they were going to keep one senior player around, it, it had to be a choice between one of those two. Um, and they chose to keep Walker, I think, because he he still had a contract. I think might have actually probably been better to keep Lynch in a way um, more than Walker because you, you're right. Because by keeping Walker, we've held back on seeing what Fogarty can actually do. We've held back on seeing what Tillthorpe can actually do because Walker takes the position that those two, where they need to play and where we need to see them, being whether they can sink or swim. Um and they don't want to – the club still seems to be scared of that what people like to dub the Apricot Slice Brigade, that, oh, they're a good bloke. We've got to keep them around. We want to be nice to, you know, we, we, we're too nice. This is sport. This is a professional sport. You need to be ruthless as much as – you want to be respectful and everything else is part of that. It's still sport at the end of the day and they needed to make hard decisions and they've only made a couple when they should have made more. Well, I think, Nikki, you're right. Um, you don't have to be a bad bloke to be professional. You know, um, Phil Walsh was very big on man conversations and that was a bit of a mantra around the club when he was with us and I think we're dealing with with grown-ups we're dealing with adults what we're not dealing with is data we're not dealing with metrics we're actually dealing with uh, personalities and cultural you know stuff and at the, at the end of the day, when, when a player walks into the Adelaide Footy Club, they need to understand that they're walking into a professional environment in a professional sport and there are expectations. And the club should be able to define those expectations around performance. And they've got access to a ton more metrics than what we can see on afl.com.au in those you know basic stats that we see. They've got a ton more stuff that they can look at to measure a bloke's performance and measure a bloke's um, you know, impact on the side. And, yes, there has to be an element of, um, of uh, you know, a, a, a bloke doing the right thing around the club and all the rest of it. But have a look at Dusty Martin. Dusty Martin's been no angel uh, during his career, you know. He's stabbed people with chopsticks or whatever the hell that was and all the rest of it. But Richmond have got around him, and Dusty Martin, as a consequence, is probably a better man now than he ever was. And I look at a bloke like Harry Schoenberg, who apparently at the moment, I'm not saying that Harry's stabbed anyone with chopsticks, but there's a, there's a, a few whispers around about what Harry's been getting up to. 
that's all well and good. The, the club has to has to be professional about that with Harry, and say, look, this is what we expect of you. You know, if you get yourself into trouble out of hours, and that impacts your performance, it's no different, uh, Nicky and Macca, than if I go out on the piss on a Sunday and don't rock up to work on the Monday. I'll get warned as well. So these blokes need to be um, treated the same way. The thing, the thing that gets me is that I interviewed a lot of those young kids um, when they were drafted, and all of them, all of them expressed excitement about taking the club forward as a new generation. Now, do you reckon they're still feeling that now? I think some are. Some are. Um, I mean, I, I, I'd say, like McHenry, for example, I, I mean, he's not a, a star footballer, but there's no doubt that he is, he gives 100% to try and get the mate, take the club forward every week. I, mean, I think that applies to Rowe. I think like Saligo and Rochelle, et cetera. Oh, I think there's a few. But there'd be others. But we've still got dead wood hanging around, Fiend. We've got, we've got dead wood. And uh, sure. uh, players that, I don't know whether it's our development or what, um, you know, players that we thought would, would have come on by now and they still haven't got a game even, or they've had one game or whatever. Um, somebody uh-huh. said McHenry's a dud. Yeah, look, I'm not. I didn't say he was a champion. I said he embraces the, what we would like the team to do in, in terms of effort. Yeah, but it's not even that's not even quite what I'm talking about, Mac. Well, no, I guess no, no, no. I guess what I'm trying to say is, I think when those lads came into the club, they were probably sold the dream of they're the next generation and they're going to take the club forward. But the way that they've been uh, developed in terms of their selection, in terms of where they've been played, the positions, and all the rest of it. Do you think that they'd go home after a game of footy and believe that the club is walking the walk? Or do you think that they would be a little bit disenchanted because the dream that they were sold when they walked in the door about being the next generation hasn't really come to fruition because of the way that they've been treated in terms of selection and development? Oh, quite a few would be in that category, a certain thing. I think we saw a perfect example of it this week. I mean, with Strawn being dropped after having two really good games and, and taking an even bigger step last week, just because the senior player who had multiple chances to come good didn't and finally had to be dropped only after tremendous pressure from the media and the supporters actually pointing out how poor um, he was playing. He comes back and he finally has one good game in the twos and you get ousted for him. Yeah. I'd that, that exact has, point, That has Nikki. to go across the whole playing group to go, well, the younger guys going, well, why Why should we try? Why? It's a, little bit, a little bit worse than that, Nikki, because the very same guy you're talking about it was only in uh, probably about less than a week ago it was told that he would he'd be given a, a body of work of three to four games to prove his worth. That was by the coach. And he, got, and yep. he, and he played well with and even in his second game and he got and he gets dropped. Yeah. So he didn't even, the coach didn't even honour his own work. Yeah, that's right. And again, it gets back down to a lack of, uh, lack of thinking. You know, we could have played both of them this week. We could have played both of them last week. You know, um, I, I just think that um, 
I just think that there's a bit of a failure at the, at the club. It's, there's, there's an issue with the club, um, and it's it's gone over the course of changes in coaching, changes in administration. So who knows what the common denominator is? But there seems to be this high-value place on work rate. We saw it with DMAC for 10 years of his career where, you know, good bloke, great trainer, he gets picked. You know, there's been others. Richie Douglas gets picked. We're seeing it now with Matty Crouch. One good game of, well, one half-decent game in the twos. It gets picked to the detriment of our development. There is something going on, something going on at the club that has been endemic. Scotty Thompson was another one. It's endemic, and it it needs to change. There is no professional standards being driven because the club isn't prepared to sit down with a, with a club favourite and a fan favourite and go, look, you're not performing at the level and we need to we need to push you aside for someone new. Hell, when I was playing bloody amateur league in Divi frickin' three or whatever, I got told the same thing when I hit my 30s. Sorry, mate, you're still playing well, but we want to start playing the kids so you'll be playing Bs. Like it's that's just what happens at, at in footy, you know. There's a transition. I, yeah, we don't seem to be able to have that conversation. You know, you're you're, in, you're you're popular for a while, and you get to a certain age and a certain standard, and uh, there are other people behind you coming up. Yeah, it, it's inevitable. Look, and look, look at how Al Clarkson handled it. He pushed Luke Hodge to half back. And he said to Sam Mitchell and Jordan Lewis, look, if you want to have a couple more years at the level, you're going to have to go somewhere else. You know, They were favourite sons of that football club. They had won premierships together. You know, They had been through thick and thin with Al Clarkson, those three, and they were yep, told when the time was right, they were told, look, if you want to continue to play at senior level, you're going to have to look somewhere else. And Hodgie, if you want to continue to play, I'm prepared to use you, but only at half back. That 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 you know that's what needs to happen. A bloke like Luke Brown needs to be told, look, at the moment you're not producing. You know you, and this is another thing. It's not as if Luke Brown's 35 years old either. What the hell? But Luke Brown is not performing at the moment. We've got young. We've got 75,000 halfback flankers in our squad. And yet they're all playing in the twos because Luke Brown gets a game. Brody Smith couldn't hit the side of a barn door at the moment. He's been playing well, but his disposal has been absolutely shocking. And it was absolutely shocking again against Geelong. Now, do you reckon we're going to be able to front up and have a hard conversation with Brody and say, look, you're just not cutting the mustard at the moment? Uh, we'd like you to work on your disposal and all the rest of it. Have a run in the twos for a few weeks. We want to try someone else. Give Josh Worrell a run. Who Josh Worrell must... I, I'm sure that Josh Worrell can't wait to get out of the bloody place at the moment. The, the fact uh, that that kid... I've got to ask the Nicky, Nicky, if these Worrell play, how, how would you rate him at the moment, uh, Nick? Oh, I didn't get to... Um see the others recently, but I've always liked the way he plays. I, I think he deserves a solid run in the AFL because particularly when you're playing defence and when you're a hybrid, I, I like a, I'd call him a, a hybrid player in a way, 
um, because he can play on the smalls and he can play on talls. He's he's a very handy player to actually have in your in your squad, and he's used to actually being moved around. Um, and like all through his junior career, and we and we would do it a little bit as well in the SNFL. I I think he's he needs to be given that little block like we have with some of the other youngsters. Um, for me, it always everything about this it always comes down to the fact that this is a team sport, and if you want to succeed as a team, you sometimes have to sacrifice yourself. Those as you discussing there, Fane, those hard conversations have to be had. And the reason why Hawthorne was such a champion team is because they were a team, which is why Clarkson could have those conversations with the players and go, well, we actually need to keep succeeding. We want to keep succeeding. If you want to be a part of this, this is what you have to do, and I am going to move you out. Otherwise, if you don't want to be a part of that and move to this spot, I will completely move you out. Um, yeah. And that's what seems to be forgotten. People still, unfortunately, focus a lot on individuals individually. I want to look at, and to me, it all comes has to come down to it's a team and the one who is in charge is, in, is the coach and we need a coach who is strong enough to say this is exactly what we need to do and where we're going and is not beholden to people above him saying if you want to keep your job, this is what you need to do. And the they thing need it is, to butt out. The thing of it is, Nick, that if you said that to the club right now, the club would say, yeah, but we need experience. And my counter to that is there's no point having experience if your experience is no good, right? Now, of the experienced yeah. players that we've got on our team now, um, I'd probably, and Tom did a, I guess, like not really experienced, but I guess you put him in that category. Um, Luke Brown shouldn't be there. Brody Smith, very borderline. Um, Geordie Dawson, yep, absolutely. Um, who else have we got? Hamill, yes. No, he's not experienced. Um, no. I think more than the others. R- Rory Laird. No, I'm talking. I'm talking Rory about Laird. our experienced players, our, our senior players. Yeah. Rory Laird, yes, under the right circumstances. Matt Crouch, a big fat no. Wayne Miller, a big fat no. There's not a lot of senior experience that we have in our side at the moment that I would say is valuable experience. And in the absence of that valuable experience, we may as well play a kid. We may as well... You know, what was the problem in... Like, Josh Worrell was a forward in his under-18 years. What was the problem? If they didn't want to play Lockie Gallant, what was the problem in playing Josh Worrell this week? Or Braden Cook? Instead, we bring in bloody Wayne Miller. What the hell? Now, yeah, that's one I'm really, really dark about. I'm glad you uh, glad you raised that. Um, Miller instead of Cook. Miller uh, Cook is yeah. is going to be a star of the future. There's no doubt about it. He's going to be very, very good. He should be given every opportunity to be playing, and to bring in Miller, who, as Nicky's quite rightly said, his form in the B did not justify getting coming up to the A's, and he proved that when he went out and. and Put in a very, very timid, under uh, underperforming uh, uh, game that really added nothing to our team whatsoever. He did a couple of fancy little dances at the end, but overall, you just had what he brought to the team, and I'd say he brought a ne- negative to the team. 
Whereas you brought in Young Cook, you're bringing in a positive because he's going to grow that little bit more when he plays every time. Because I, I, you can see he's got ability and, and he's mm. going to be a very good player. Give him the chance of developing it at the right level. Yeah. Uh, if they wanted to go small, why not uh, Tariq Newchurch, who's been playing okay in the twos? Why not give him a run? I know it's Geelong at Geelong and we don't want to set blokes up to fail, but we set the whole team up to fail by the way that we selected the side and then the way that we played in terms of our strategy. So anyway, all right. Look, we could bang along along about that for ages. Um, I mean, I, I guess what I was left with at the end of that game, I was extremely... Um, frustrated watching that game because our effort our effort which is all we've got to hang our hat on wasn't being rewarded by um blokes having shot for goal and Macaronicki uh every one of those shots was taken by a bloke who was scared shitless of failing there's not one bloke in our team at the moment apart from maybe Joshua Shelley when he's in there and Geordie Dawson who see kicking for goal from a set shot as an opportunity to succeed. They all see it as an opportunity to fail. Yep, you're on the money, Fiend. And and look, having played it and being one of the greediest uh, players that ever played football, I made made Bartlett look like a team player. Uh, (laughs) I loved any chance to have a shot for goal. You know, I wouldn't care if it was a one-degree angle. I wouldn't pass it off. Not when I could have a shot for goal. Um, Because I believed I could kick it every time. Exactly, and, this, and I just don't believe these guys that they are playing AFL. They've got all the skills in the world. That you know, the old when you're having a shot for goal, you just pick a target behind the goals and you make out you're passing the ball to them. It's as easy as that. It's the simplest it's no thing hard. in the world. Uh, a yep. shot for goal from thirty-five, forty meters out is the simplest skill in football, Macca. A set shot from forty meters out is the simplest skill in football because you've only got to do three things. You've only got to run in, you've only got to drop the ball straight, and you've only got to point your toe at the target. That's all you've got to do. Exactly. All you've got to do. And you, and you can see the majority of our players when they've got the ball and they're about to have a shot and go, you can almost see it running down the elite team. I mean, they're terrified. Oh, yeah. But the amount of times that, like Jackson Hately's got a got an issue with this. Sean McAdams got a uh, Shane McAdams got an issue with it. This, you watch where their leg goes when they kick. Their leg goes to the left. Like they they instead of kicking through the ball and and pointing their toe at the target, their their foot their toe goes to the left. So you, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to hook it, or you're going to whiff it. It's like hitting a, a golf shot and, and whiffing it. You're not going to make good contact with the ball and it's just going to drift to the right. I mean, this is a simple, basic mechanic. I could go down there and bloody teach them how to do it and I'm sure half the people listening to this podcast could do it. And I just don't understand how professional footballers can be that bloody average when it comes to one of the basic skills of the game. They also are lined up incorrectly. They're, they're actually... This is something that's annoyed me for the past couple of years. They're actually not lined up directly with the goal in the centre of no, the that's goal. Right. Hatley's one that that shot he had in that first quarter. He actually did kick that straight, but that's exactly where he ran. He ran towards the point post. He did not run towards the centre of the goals. Yep. Right, Nick. 
Yep, and the reason why it faded off to the right was because he was expecting it to hook because that's his kicking style and he whiffed it and it just fluffed out to the Like he didn't even, he hardly kicked it 40 metres. Yeah, I mean, the other thing too is that they, um, we missed probably at least three shots through not kicking right through the ball. And when you don't kick right through the ball, there is a, 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 a it's a, not a, a natural thing, it's just uh, an instinctive thing that the foot tends to uh, poke upwards a little bit. And if you do That's that, right. it will it'll always kick it to the right. And uh, the players, right. when they don't kick right through the ball, they usually just spoon it to the right. Um, That's right. And because the leg's not coming all the way through. And, and the ball's got um, no momentum because you've fluffed it, and so any sort of wind is going to take it offline as well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we missed, we missed it at least three goals just because they didn't just do a proper kick where you try to do a dink rather than a kick. Oh, yeah. yes, I said, it is simple. You take, you pick a spot where behind the goals and you try and lob the ball on that spot and you'll kick it straight through the goals every time. Yeah. Yeah, you'll never see a bloke like Locker or Dunstall or Matthew Lloyd just dink it over over the, over the fence. They would kick it into the second tier, irrespective of how far out they were. Some of the best goal kickers yep, in the game. You know, uh, you've got to have momentum through the ball. You've got to actually kick the ball through the wind. Um, you know, you've got to kick it with purpose. But it's a very, very simple mechanic. It's such a simple mechanic. And I just don't understand how professional footballers don't don't do it. And as a result, any sort of momentum at the beginning of the game that we had, uh, and Geelong, you know, I don't think Geelong ever hit top gear, but certainly we had a little bit of momentum early. They hadn't turned up yet, and we could have been four up on them very quickly and, you know, at least put some pressure on them and at least given ourselves a sniff. I, I think you could tell by halfway through the game that our players had lost belief. They, they, there's no yeah. way any of them thought that we could win the game, and they were just playing out time. Yep, agreed. Another situation that I'd just like to point out, and I, I wish I'd captured this footage, but I haven't. But everyone will remember Jeremy Cameron's first goal where he took the mark or something got a free, took the mark, uh, sort of around the 50 on the on the right half-forward flank for them and wheeled around and kicked the goal. Now, if anyone's interested, go back and watch that football and look at Brody Smith. Everybody knows that Jeremy Cameron likes to get around on the left foot and kick it um, uh, snap-style rather than drop-punt-style when he's in those positions. Brody Smith is 10 metres away with his back to Cameron, whereas he should have been front on to Cameron and getting ready for the play-on call from the umpire to make it difficult for, for Cameron. Now, it's only a little thing, and he may have kicked it anyway, but it's one of those things, Macca, that is lacking from our senior players. Brody Smith is a 200-game player, and he should have known that Jeremy Cameron was going to wheel around on his left, and he had his back to him, and when he when he turned his head after Cameron to kick the ball, it looked like he did not care, and that rubs off. Why have Brody Smith in your team if that's the example he's going to set? Yeah, it was a very bad example. I, I agree with that. Um, overall, I mean, he 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 genuinely does very very good getting the ball, uh, and his disposal uh, lacks a lot because he generally just bombs it. But 
Uh, that particular incident you're talking about, I remember that incident, and uh, he wasn't the lone soldier. There were a few other players that fell for very, very dumb type of thing that you would expect that a, a, an AFL footballer would have thought about but a little bit better. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's a concentration thing, Matt. It's it's akin to not having someone on the on the goal line, you know, not having your ruckman on a, on the goal line for a fifty meter shot goal, you know, to defend. Uh, it's just one of those things that a senior player should have known, and the fact that he didn't even care about it, it didn't make an effort, wasn't switched on, was just walking, you know, aimlessly next to his player who wasn't in the in the play, um, is just indicative, and that's the sort of crap that our our kids see our seniors do and you would think that as a consequence they just lose a little bit of respect as a consequence yeah there's another goal that uh geelong got which was in their forward pocket they're looking at down the ground and their right hand forward pocket all our players were down there but not one player was there on the goal side of the pack they yeah. had two players on their own goal side yeah, yeah. i mean that's just oh. elementary thing elementary was that when three blokes went up and none of them killed the contest and they all just let it get over the back? Yep, and we got yep, and when they got there was two of them sitting there and they just raffled it for a goal. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I was so annoyed. You could see it happening. Oh, did I yell at the television? <laughs> Thank God my neighbours weren't here. Um, but it was that we and we actually did it. So this was something that we talked about at the start of the year that w- there was a bit of a problem that our players were getting sucked into the contest too much, um, and they, they they rectified it, and we started. No, it's your turn to go in. I stay back, and we actually keep our shape better. But this game, and I think it does come back to that lack of confidence and everything that's going on that came through the goal kicking. But I think this is what it came in as well: is they they're actually not trusting their teammates. Which is why no. they were go- everybody was going one into the contest and not trusting their teammate, which is why we lost our shape, which is why Geelong, who was playing poo, was able to beat us. Yeah, we, we, could, have, we could have and should have uh, had a good lead at quarter time and probably still possibly had a lead at half time and it would have been a, a different type of game. But um, you're right, Nikki, uh, that. Uh, we lose our, our shape, our structure so easily, um, and it's you know it's. I like the intensity, but I've also got to use a little bit of thought as well. Yeah, it's all it's all thought, no polish. Uh, it's all intensity, no polish, Mac. And mm-hmm. that's a very different. That's a very difficult thing to sustain over four quarters. You, you're not. You cannot win a game on effort alone. You've got to have polish. You've got to be able to use the ball. You've got to set up right. You've got to have a bit of run on the outside. You've got to have the right balance. All those things are lacking. We are no. I don't think anyone will ever doubt um, the Crows' commitment to the contest and uh, desire to work for most of them, particularly the youngsters. Their desire to work is definitely there. But it's just like... Um, it's just like hammering a nail with a sledgehammer at the moment. It's not. There's no finesse whatsoever. Um, someone in the chat asked if we can discuss uh, Jason Horn Francis briefly. Um, look, I would. 
What annoys me about the situation, and we'll only spend a couple of minutes on it, what annoys me about the Horn Francis situation is that we valued winning over the bigger picture in Jason's uh, draft year last year. And as a consequence, we finished too high up the ladder. And so we put ourselves in a difficult bargaining position when we did put something to North Melbourne and they rejected it. Um, there's nothing we could do about that, but I just wonder whether we went back to them because Jason Horn Francis will cost double of anything that we put to North Melbourne in his draft year. And as much as I'd like to think we throw the kitchen sink at him, I just can't see how we can get Jason back. Um, well, that's always possible um, at the end of next year, not this year. Uh, at the end of next year, if he says, no, I don't want to sign on, um, he'll be up for trade. If, uh, but as you say, he won't be cheap and you'll have – and if, if, if apparently he's homesick and he may not be homesick in a year's time, but it, presuming he's still in the same situation, the same, thought, uh, same uh, mind frame, there's no reason why he could not choose Port rather than us. So, um, as you said quite rightly, we really just had to get him last year. But we identified him a mile out. I've been talking about Jason for two years before yeah. his bloody draft year. And if I could see it as a casual observer, then surely our recruiting staff should have had a strategy to make sure that Jason Horn Francis was on our list. They that just could have been strategy. Done it could have been done easily. Easily, Macca. It could have been done. Uh, I tell you, uh, someone needs to go and get a copy of the West Coast Eagles uh, tanking playbook because yep. they do it better than anyone. They do it better than anyone. They're doing it this year as well. It's amazing. You will never see West Coast Eagles spend more than a couple of years outside of the eight. But when they're outside of the eight, by hell, they're outside of the eight. They don't do things by halves. And unfortunately, that's what we needed to do, and we didn't have the nuts for it. And interesting how they can move back up the ladder very, very quickly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, look, to finish that conversation off, I, I don't care what the club do. If if the club gave away 10 draft picks and bloody, I don't know, five players for Jason Horn Francis. I wouldn't care. There's probably only three or four players on our list that I would ask them not to get rid of. Uh, probably Phil Thorpe, Rochelle, Jordan Dawson, and uh, oh, should I even scratch them for the fourth? Um, oh, it's Saligo. I'd like, like to keep Saligo. No, nah, he's, not, un- he's not untouchable. He's not untouchable for Jason Horn Francis, Matt. I think the only untouchables for Jason Horn Francis are Phil Thorpe, Rochelle, and Geordie Dawson. I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head. Jake Saligo is going to be a good player, absolutely. But you've got to give stuff to get stuff. And to me, uh, they're they're the only three that I wouldn't wouldn't be happy giving up. I'd I'd agree with J&M about butts as well. No. He's a defender, Nicky. He's a defender. We bloody like, miss him when he's not there. Of course we do, but there are lots of defenders. There are not a lot of guilt edge midfielders. There are not a lot of match winners. There are not a lot of Paddy Dangerfields yeah. in the world, not a lot of Dusty Martins in the world. Jason Horn Francis, it's clear, will we'll be like that. 
It's clear. It's been clear since he was 16 years old. So uh, Geordie Butts, loving the pieces, Mr Reliable, would happily give him to North Melbourne in a deal for um, Jason Norman Francis. Um, look, I, I tend to agree with you, Fane. Um, yeah. Uh, as good as Butts is, uh, he, as you say, he's a backman. You can always scratch up a backman from somewhere where, you know, not necessarily the same standard, but you can you get him in the rookie draft and they develop, etc. So... Yeah, uh, but you don't get Horn Francis as the growing on trees. They they come along just once in a while. And to tell you what, he I, I couldn't quite see it when they first mentioned it, but yeah, he does play more and more like Patrick Dangerfield every day. Every time I see him go go around now, you won't you won't oh, yeah with skill. Yeah. You're right, Nick. He yeah he I watched him today and and. To me, he looks like he's playing pissed off. Though. Uh, yeah. He really, looks, he really looks like he's playing p- pissed off, and uh, and he looks like he doesn't really think his teammates are helping him very much. But that still can't, he still can't stop himself from giving a hundred percent. So, which to me says he is a star that you can actually be that pissed off with your teammates, but you still can't stop yourself from giving a hundred percent. Yep, he's, he's a natural competitor. Um, I think he's frustrated because North Melbourne is so shit. Um, and you can actually see his teammates getting him, getting around him. They know how good he is. They know what they've got in their club. They know how good he is. And they under, they're probably almost feeling a little bit embarrassed about what they're putting on the table. Um, but, um, look, it was just a guilt-edge opportunity to get a once-in-a-generation player, and I know Razor Ray is probably having seizures on the floor at the moment, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Raze. Um But we we just miffed it. We just miffed it, and now we're gonna we're gonna either have to pay a fortune for him because he is now exposed at AFL level, um, or he never plays for us, which is probably the most likely. I'd say that's the most likely. Um, yeah. I, I, I just, it's a dream situation would be he wants to come home and we get him somehow. That would be a dream situation. And I'm like you. Yeah. You, we'll give you our first, we'll give you our second, chuck in this player, we'll chuck in that player, whatever you want. Yep. Yep. Uh, I'd even rename one of the stand, like the Riverside stand, the bloody. Glen Archer stand, I couldn't care less. <laughs> the Mickey Martin stand would probably be appropriate because Mod sat on his bald nut enough times in the goal square. So, anyway, let's move on and quickly look at some head to head stats, shall we? Uh, while we're talking about this game, um, again, we're going to see that there's not a hell of a lot um, in terms of the. the uh, uh, the stats, 406 to 381 disposals, 226 to 198 in kicks, 180 to 183 in handles. Inside 50s, if you don't mind, 61 to 36, which is uh, the one that, that basically shows you that we we're just bashing our head against a brick wall. Um, our disposal efficiency, just under 70%. Geelong went at 75. Um, contested possessions, we won that much vaunted stat, and I'll tell you again, and I'm actually going to pull the stats out, of uh, Hawthorne and Geelong in their premiership years, how many times they didn't win contested possession counts, still won the game. 
Uncontested possession, 257 to 227. Geelong just usable, a lot better on the outside. Turnovers were even. Uh, possession was even. So we had enough of the ball. Um, Hitouts, 42 to 51. Um, Riley O'Brien did well because Riley O'Brien was visible around the ground. I still have a big question, Nick and Mac, about his ruck work. There was a period there where he was just putting it in the wrong spots and whether that's uh, the setup of our of our midfielders or whether it's just Riley not being a very good ruckman, I'm not sure. Uh, but at least, as I've always said, he's, he's value when he actually starts doing stuff around the ground and he worked very hard. Clearances, we won those 45 to 51. Centre, we lost 12 to 9 around the ground, 42 to 33 in our favour. Uh, marks, 102 to 82. They absolutely destroyed us. I reckon 100 of those were Tom Stewart. Uh, just ridiculous. Marks inside 50. We actually won that one, 6 to 11. Contested marks, 9 to 7. Um, tackles, Geelong, 100 to our 78. That's a bit of a worry. Um, I felt like they brushed us a lot, so um, probably a lot of missed tackles there. Tackles inside 50, they were very good, 21 to our 10. Um, 1% is slightly in our favour. Um, interestingly, as an aside, Sam Berry um, is the number one player at the moment in the league for pressure acts. Yes. And he, get, and he gets eight centre bounce attendances out of 26. Well, that, that's good thinking, isn't it? Isn't it, Fane? Really good thinking. Makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> Makes sense, doesn't it? I'm just shaking my head. Well, I saw Crouchy get a few and just wander out slowly and wonder what to do with it. <laughs> ah, just shocking, actually. So anyway, um, that was the tale of the tape. There's not much uh, to read into that, really. Um simply because it wasn't about how much ball we got, it's about what we did with it and about how easy it was for them to rebound off off, uh, off defensive 50. Let me just have a look at some individual stats here. Okay. So, as usual, Rory Laird, 38 disposals, 12 kicks, 26 handballs. Now, if that's not an indication of a midfielder that cannot get separation, I don't know what is. Um, partly, Fiend, partly. There was a few times when he actually got the ball where he should have kicked any handball. Um, yeah, he often has to handball because he's getting under pressure because he does go in where Angel feet the trend. You never, ever... Say that Lloyd, uh, that Leedy's soft at all. He always gives a hundred percent and goes in nope. hard. But also, he's he's getting a little bit guilty of uh, handballing when he shouldn't be handballing. When, when he would actually be better off steadying himself and try and find a chest. Yeah, and that's because he can't get separation, Macca. Or he's not thinking about getting separation. Maybe it's a latter. Yeah, latter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, look, eight tackles, uh, 14 clearances, which is very good. Uh, over 300 metres gained. Um, he had uh, four centre clearances, six score involvements, 76% disposal efficiency, 20 contested possessions. So um, I, I just I didn't feel like he had any real impact on the game for all those possessions, Matt and Nick. 
Only in the sense that if he hadn't have got the ball, I mean, flying the other way, but in that sense he did. Um, but, yeah, it, it, look, it wasn't a, magi- a magical game, but um, when you compare it to some of our other efforts, uh, it was still passable. Yeah. Uh, Benny Keys, another one, 29 touches, 15 and 14, so a better kick-to-handball ratio. It's just a pity that his kicks go astray sometimes. Uh, 354 metres gained. Um, he had five inside 50s. He had five score involvements. Um, surprisingly, nearly 80% disposal efficiency, nine contested possessions. So, um, again, I felt like a lot of his possessions were rushed. Um it's always seemed to be under the hammer um, and therefore probably didn't get value for disposal that we might have expected from, from Ben. Yeah, he works very, very hard to get the ball. He's, a, he's the best two-way runner in the team and probably the only really hard two-way runner in the team, which means he's often pretty tired when he's got the ball. So, um, And he does get and he does get it under pressure situations, but that's part of the reason for his disposal. But he's also not naturally a great kick, so that's the other part of it. Um, yeah, I think that, I think he is trying. He is trying uh, when he's in the open to try and dispose better. He doesn't always succeed, but you can actually notice. I thought a cut back maybe two or three times on the weekend where he actually steadied himself trying to put it on a chest. A couple of times he did. Yeah. Uh, Riley he's, O'Brien. He seemed to be more. Sorry, Nick. I was just going to say he seemed to be working more defensive side. Um, and so I wasn't that I wasn't as annoyed with him as I was with others. No, uh, Riley O'Brien I thought was a good return and credit to him, but uh, I just wish as a senior player he didn't need that kick up the arse to actually perform. Uh, Twenty-eight disposals, twelve and sixteen, five marks, seven tackles, forty-seven hitouts, nine clearances himself. Um, he also had four inside fifties, five score involvements, five intercept marks. 57% disposal efficiency, but you'd expect that from a Ruckman. 24 contested possessions, so it was a really good uh, return. Um, I just wish that they had kept Kieran in and allowed them to work in tandem and maybe exposed Geelong's lack of Ruckman because they really only had blitz halves. Yeah, I think it was a, it was a perfect example. Uh, uh, so that game was a perfect opportunity, sorry, to try out the two Ruckman. And, and you know, just put... Make sure you keep your six by six and one hanging around right around the goal square just to keep them right back. Then they couldn't have done their attacking like they normally do. That's right. I just want to have a look at O'Brien's... Let me just have a look here. Uh, Hit-outs to advantage rate, 31 or 32% hit-out to advantage rate, 47% hit-out win rate. He had 15 hit-outs to advantage out of his uh, total hit-outs of, what did I say they were? Um, 47. So not fantastic in terms of hit-outs to advantage, but not terrible by league standards, 15. Um, the problem with Riley with his tap work is that when he when he's, not, when, the, when he's not in the right position, he will just tap it to where it's easiest for him to tap it rather than recognising there are times he needs to nullify the opposition ruckman because the ball's going to go where the opposition wants it to go if he doesn't nullify. Well, that's the art of rugby, isn't it, really? It is to try and get in, uh, give your players the ball on a plate. I mean, that's the, the, it's that art of rugby. 
Yeah. Um, and somebody pointed out that he he really um, telegraphs exactly where he's going to go, where, even before he connects. Everybody knows where it's going to go, which is why it's so easy for opposition midfielders to read because they're actually proactive around the ball. And now if he's so obvious about that telegraphing, how can our midfielders not know where that is? Yeah. Uh, because they're well, not, it's, it goes where they're not expecting it to go, Nick, because that's not how they've set up. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah you set up in a certain manner, Nicky, and, and the idea is that um, it, where you set up is not, not, might not necessarily where you want the ball. You want the ball hit. You might want to hit like three metres away from you so you can run that at full, full ball, etc. Um, but they, they just... They, they, they don't, well, if they've got that plan, they certainly can't deliver it because it's not happening. Um, I mean, I've got to say about Riley Be fun. And they can't adjust. No, they well, it's can't. Not about Midfielder a... will adjust. No, 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 no. No, Nikki, that's wrong. A good midfielder, like you have your setup. You don't adjust because... Yeah. Because where the where the ball is tapped depends on where the ruckman position where where the ruckman puts it. The ruckman needs to know where where his midfielders are going to be. Otherwise, it's just a crapshoot. The problem is because it's a variable ball up because it's often it's a bounce that goes crooked. Often Riley will find himself facing the wrong way or out of position. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So he needs to understand in those circumstances that he doesn't just tap it. If he like it, tap it in front of him because it's in, he's in the wrong spot. He needs to nullify those taps. He needs to be able to jump into the ruckman, or he needs to be able to um, uh, uh, hit the ball with a fist or something like that. All he does is taps it to where it's easiest for him to tap it. It's impossible for a midfield group to adjust to that. It's not how it works. Uh, you, you, know, you have to. You do have to be flexible, though, Fane, in the sense that if you but if you've got a, a, a ruckman on top and your like your ruckman's never putting his hand on the ball, and that's like when Himmelberg was rucking, you'd actually reposition yourself, working on what the other guy's doing. Yeah, but that's different. That's when you're playing to a losing ruck. But Riley wasn't losing the ruck. It's just that Riley will put it where it's easiest for Riley to put it. And if he's if the if the bounce of the ball has or the or the um, the angle of the bouncers put him facing a certain way. He'll just put it there. I saw him do it four or five times where he just put it in front of him, even though out in, we didn't have a midfield there. And you think to yourself, who the hell are you tapping that to? You know, it's it's yeah. impossible for the midfield to adjust to that because it happens in the, in in a split second. Some of our midfield structures set up for absolutely horrible thing. I mean, you know, having been a midfielder, you just know where you don't go and where you know where you do go. And sometimes yeah. we just had to. There's no way we could have had a player in that spot if we'd got the tap. Yeah, so, yeah, know, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that was poor. The other thing I was going to say about Phil for, I thought he had more intensity last year as a first year player than he has as a second year player. Am I? Are you seeing it like that? He's got resting bitch face, hasn't he? He's got a very, he's got a very hang dog look about him. He, yeah, you know, last year I thought he was just full of enthusiasm and bubbling and having a crack at everything, and he's not, he's not mentally in the same space as he was last year. 
No, there's uh, no doubt about it. And, I, and, don't know, you know, I don't know about wrong, that. I think he'll, he'll still end up being a very, very star player. But at the moment, uh, in second-year Blues, um, I don't think I don't think he's quite mentally where he was at last year. Uh, I, I, I disagree with that. Well, I think you've probably got a little bit of um, confirmation bias on that one, Mac, because... Certainly he was up and about when we had a couple of good games and he was in amongst it. But there were I, plenty I liked of... his intensity this game. I thought his intensity yeah. was quite good. Well, I actually thought he attacked the ball in the air for, as best as I've seen him at, at, at uh, AFL level. Um, yeah, not, he... bad, not, bad, not bad around the ruck, but I thought when he was resting up forward, I didn't think he was quite as intense. You know, that's just my opinion. Yeah, look, possibly. Um, I don't. The thing is, I don't think he's. Um, I don't think he's a natural forward, Mac. I really don't. Um, the other thing I'll say about the forwards is that how often were they? Pl- and Fogarty was the same. When the ball was coming off our half back line, we seemed to always be. Our forwards seemed to always be deep. I always seem to see Darcy or, or Tilthorpe or one of the others sort of about five or six metres behind their direct opponent. That it made me wonder, why were they playing so deep when the ball was on our half-back line? I, I just didn't understand the positioning of our forwards at all. I'll argue with you, Payne. I, I, I think with Riley, I think he's got a bit of an expression about him, Macca, um, which makes him, like, like I said, he's got a like, resting sad face, a resting bitch face. But I think um, th- there were certainly games last year where he was similar or he looked similar, he lacked intensity. I think what you're, what you're remembering is the games when we were up and about uh, and he was involved. Uh, but he's going to have to work on his body language a bit, I think, and his in- his ability to maintain intensity for over the course of a game, even when things aren't going right. Yeah, to give you an example of what I'm getting at, it's like McAdam last year, his body language on the ground was terrible, and yep. whereas this year, uh, his body language is very good, and yep. uh, and his performance then relates to the way he, way he his body language is telling you. Um, and I, I just, just would, it's only not a long way off. It's just, he just looks like he's not 100%. Yeah. Look, you could be right, mate. Um, I, I think it's more about, uh, I don't know. Well, let's see how that plays out. Um, Jackson Haley, for the, the uh, opportunities he got, had a good game, I thought. 27 touches, 14 and 13, had eight tackles as well, which is good. Spent 80% time on the ground. Pity it wasn't in the right position for most of it. Um, he had five score involvements uh, and seven contested possessions. Geordie uh, Dawson, also 27 touches. Probably he's the most subdued he's been for us, though. Uh, I think uh, Geelong were quite intent on making him accountable and inexplicably we played him up forward for uh, various portions of the game. Uh, had 18 touches, 9 and 7. But, you know, when you... Uh, sorry, 18 kicks, uh, 9 handballs, 7 marks... Uh, 579 metres gained still. So, you know, he's just that sneaky player that will get you yardage. Six inside 50s, five score involvements, eight intercepts, uh, 75% uh, disposal efficiency. I suppose when you read those stats and you think he had a mediocre game, it shows you the standard that he's set in terms of his his uh, normal performance, doesn't it? 
Well, um, he's actually getting tagged very, very heavily, uh, but they stuck to him like glue, and uh, he moved around, and and because of his quality, he managed to lose them on, on occasions, but gee, they, 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 they really... They, they know that he's our best player, and they knew that he was the one that could cause the most trouble. And he was really, really, they had to try to keep a clamp on him, but as you say, he's, he's too good to keep a total clamp on. It's yeah. by far the best player we've got. Matty Crouch. Yeah, and uh, we, well, sorry, just, on, just on that, Macca, we need to, as a team, protect him a bit better. And I think that's where part of the problem's coming is that they're not, trusting each other and they're not actually um, sacrificing themselves to allow him to get free and to not be so frustrated and such. Yeah, yeah Janet, I mean, uh, his body language said he was a bit pissed off at times, so you can see that. Um, when things that should have logically gone well for us down forward didn't, um, but uh, to, to his credit, he shrugs it off and then gets on with the next one. Well, yeah, Jad in the chat is, makes the best. Jad in the chat makes the best call. He's Mister Fix It at the moment, and that'd piss anyone yeah. off. Um, you know, he's just being used to plug gaps. Um, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to make blokes accountable. And again, this is, gets back to this mentality that our coaching group have got, where you talk about trust, Nikki. They don't trust the players that they've drafted and, and developing in those positions to play those positions, and they just plug the gaps all the time. Uh, Matty Crouch, we've spoken about him enough. 26 touch, uh, touches, 12 and 14, uh, 6 tackles, 4 clearances, 281 metres gained, um, 2 inside 50s, uh, 2 centre clearances, 4 stoppage, 53.8% disposal efficiency, 8 contested possessions for an inside player isn't enough in that sort of a game. We don't have to bang on about Matty much more than that, though. Brody Smith, we've also been. talked about, uh, 20 touches, 14 and 6, 405 metres gained. I just thought, um, unfortunately, in this one, there's no clangers. Um, there are clangers? So, yeah, he, he he had that metres gained, but how much was that then turned over and came back further? Yep. Yep. Absolutely, Nick. Uh, I didn't think it was a very influential game from Brody. Um, James Rowe, another one. Uh, Mac, I'm interested in your view on this. I think James Rowe plays a bit scared. Um, no, I, don't, I just don't know whether he does, Fiend. Um I, I don't think he pikes it. Yeah, it. I don't think he plays in the right position because he's... He's definitely not um, a goal, uh, you know, a goal square crummer. He needs can't to be say that. He plays much better that. higher up the field. When he used to play with uh, West Torrens, uh, with West Torrens, he used to. Uh, I reckon he may have been, been played as a non-baller, but if he wasn't on ball, he was always high up and drifting down forward. So therefore, he he gave him an opportunity to go uh, run into holes, but. Um, if he starts off down there, I don't think he goes all that well. Well, then he's the wrong player. Shouldn't be in the team. Sorry. Uh, Tommy Duday uh, looked like he was drunk. Um, fumbled and fumbled and stumbled and slipped and miskicked and whatever. It was a really weird game, uncharacteristic 
from Tommy. Uh, don't know what the hell is going on there. Nick, I think you mentioned in the game day chat yeah. um, that he had a Three. fair bit of strapping on his on his um, hand. He had... He had actually he had strapping, but then he also had guards over the hand, and I and I reckon there was three of them: one over his thumb, one over two fingers, and then one over one of the other fingers. And at one stage, he was having to pick it up and slide it back on again after he'd done some fumbling. So and when why I saw are we that, playing him? I was looking at him, and he was so he was trying not to use that hand too much because you saw a couple of like his handballs just had no penetration and everything else. If he was that injured in that hand, he should not have been out there. 100%. Again, yeah, no, we're talking about Tom Diday. Oh, do they? Oh God, he played a stinker, didn't he? Um, Yeah. And look, uh, I didn't actually notice the, the, the bandaging and all that, but uh, yeah, that probably explains why he had such a stinker. Well, we just need to give him a rest. And as Hardy Magic pointed Nikki out, Hassel he says, what other def- him on Wednesday. Nikki Hassel so says, what other defenders have we got? I don't know whether you can hear me, Nikki, but you keep talking over me. Nikki Hassel in the chat saying, what other defenders have we got? We've got 750 halfback flankers. You know, Billy Frampton is the third man up. Josh Worrell we've already talked about. How many more opportunities do you want to give those people? You know, we've got Fisher Mackesy that probably wouldn't mind a run. We had plenty of defenders that could come in for Tom Diday. Plenty. But no, we'll play him injured. Sam Berry didn't get enough opportunities, but did well with what I thought he, uh, with the opportunities he got. Mitch Hinge was serviceable, I thought. I don't know. How did you see his game, um, Nick? Yeah, I think serviceable um, is pretty much. The, the way to describe it. I mean, he did some good things. He then also decided to try and um, hurt some of our players as well. Not not as badly as Murray does. Um, no. I mean, he, he's not a highly skilled player, but I think he, he did what he could. Well, I yeah. think serviceable sums up pretty well. He, uh, he didn't start, but he wasn't thrashed, so he was serviceable. Yeah. Um, Ned McHenry again tries, but uh, I think the time has come for Ned to get out of the side because for all his efforts, if he can't kick a goal from 20 metres out, he's not an AFL player. The end. Terrible. That was terrible. Um, Shane McAdam. The thing I've liked about Shane this year is his defensive efforts and his ability to stay focused and stay in the contest for longer. Um, So, you know, limited opportunities, but I thought he tried hard. Lockie Murphy um, just not just doesn't get played. There was one there was one stoppage that I that I distinctly recall Lockie Murphy getting absolutely um, beaten up by his opponent, and I can't remember the guy's yeah. name. It's the, their tagger. Up, what's his name? Um, uh, not Guthrie. Um, was it? They they were very much tough, restricting tough him. Sort of tough nut sort of. A bloke, At, I saying, can't remember. At, they're saying Atkins. 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 Yep. Yep. Probably, and getting shut out of the contest. And this is just one stoppage. And Lockie Murphy did a nice little fake, went the other way, and got the and got the clearance. And it just reiterated to me how much we need to either be playing him as a midfielder or not playing him. 
Lockie Murphy is just a midfielder. He's just a midfielder. It's the end. He's just a midfielder. I agree with you, Pete. I think he's not a bad midfielder either because he's got that uh, rare quality of pace that we don't normally have, and uh, he can deliver an accurate ball as well. So I 100% agree with you, Pete. He's quick. He can get separation. He's got a good step, and he, unlike the rest of them, he actually hits targets out of congestion. I'd use him a lot in the middle. 1990 just cracked the sads lately. He's been so negative. Come on, mate. Chin up. Chin up. 1990. Chin up. Um, no, I think above that, Jay Crow, he's a dynamic mid. He moves at stoppage and he moves with pace. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. In terms of getting separation, he's able to move through congestion. He doesn't get bogged down like Matt Crouch does, like Rory Laird does. He actually can move forward through congestion. Same with Sanbury. They can move forward through congestion and use the ball. Yeah. Uh, who else we got here? Um, Luke Brown shouldn't be in the side, and I hope that they retain Chase Jones and give Luke a rest. Um, yeah, Brown. He's in terrible form at the moment. In fact, he hasn't played a decent game for weeks now. Yeah. All year. Um, Riley Thilthorpe, uh, we've spoken about, did a few couple of nice grabs and all the rest of it, just got to persevere with him. Darcy Fogarty, it was good to see him make the most of his opportunities. He looked engaged. Um, you know, we'll have to see what happens. I you know, uh, over the coming weeks with Tex coming back, but uh, he wasn't disgraced by any means. And uh, he, goes, he kicked three goals, didn't he? Uh, certainly not disgraced. Will Hamill um, probably was... What he did was good, probably just not... Didn't do enough, was my impression of Will. Well, I actually gave him a pass, mate. I thought he played a reasonably... So it, with the ball being bombarded down there all the time, I thought overall I, I would have given him a, a pass. I liked um, a lot of the time when he was running past, it was that proactive movement out of defence, that fast movement. He was often, he was there to be used, but instead of passing it to him, who and he has beautiful, lovely skill, Laird, you go for a long bomb kick direct to Stewart once again. I'll tell you the thing, and, and um, um, Bobby mentioned it in the chat, Will Hamill certainly has got a turn of pace. I, he burned off a couple of players from from a yeah. standing start a few times. It's very impressive. Uh, Jake Saligo, everything he does I really like. Uh, I'll be happy when he gets uh, more involvement. I wouldn't mind seeing him getting a couple of CBAs. Um, but... Uh, he looks like he's got a bit of class about him, Jake Saligo, and he's tough. Um, so yeah. uh, liked, liked his work. Well, Razor said he's sold on him, and so am I, uh, Razor. You're going to have to share him, mate, because I, I, there is nothing in his game that I don't like. And all he has to do is get uh, more and more experience at this level. And, I mean, some of his stuff there on the weekend was outstanding, I thought, and... Uh, I mean, just in terms of effort and uh, beating players that have got much more experience than him, and, and he's a thinker as well, Fiend. And he's got yep. excellent disposal either foot, uh, and he's and he, he uh, several times he was in the middle of uh, tackles where he got bowled over and jumped on, and all he does is just get up, gets up, runs away, and gets ready for the next one. Yeah, 
Absolutely. There's nothing about him I don't like. I think he's terrific. Yeah. He's 100%. a footballer. Dead set. That's, that's exactly how I would describe him, Nick. He's just a dead set footballer, isn't he? So nice having one. Yeah. Um, Miller was spoken about, just useless, shouldn't have been in the team. Chase Jones uh, got six touches in the quarter or so that he was on, nearly 200 metres gain, so I hope that he stays in. Nick Murray, the destroyer, um, you know, well, Tommy Hawkins didn't do much, so I reckon Nick Murray did his job, I I suppose. Um, Between him and Geordie, they had difficult jobs, but I thought they both did well, and Geordie was a bit unlucky to cop Nick's knee in the side of the face and looks like he will miss next week as well, just when we come up against Darling. I was about to say, he's a tough unit and uh, he doesn't mind hurting people and it doesn't matter which side they're on. (laughs) He just goes, he doesn't see anything. He just just throws running at the ball and hits anything in the way. That man is a very tough guy. And he's not the greatest skill player, but um, I I would keep playing because he he really, really... uh, he just tries. And he's he's one of those who's got that little burst of speed which a lot of people kind of forget that he that he has. So he's quite a good matchup for some of their players. He, like against Cameron, he was corralling Cameron quite well um the couple of times where he had him. And because he's got that burst of speed, he's got that agility and he's and we keep seeing that that jump that he's got is is fabulous, except when he puts his knee into Butts's face, then it's not so much fun. Yeah, uh, Vardy in the chat makes a good point, and I don't disagree, Vardy. I wouldn't mind seeing him up forward. I reckon he'd take a few grabs. Um, so that's the individuals. Uh, nothing really stand out there. Um, quite difficult, I think, this week to go our five four three two one. Um, so I'll be very interested to see what uh, the two of you uh, have to say about that. Uh, well, and Nikki, cons- Nikki, Nikki, yeah, Nikki. Considering uh, it's Hell no. of your week, <laughs> I don't even have a list. I've got no idea. Hey, we come have on, to mate. Put up five names, Nick. Come on. I, I need to. I need to gather my thoughts. Okay. <sighs> She needs to gather her thoughts. We just we just went through every player. I know, right. but you've only just finished it, so I've got to kind of absorb and think because I was so okay. bloody frustrated after the game. Well, I'm, going to, I'm, going to give, I'm going to give the five to Dawson. Are you? Yeah. Are you really? Value for, value for possession, Payne. All right. And four points? Uh, by Riley O'Brien. Yeah. Three. It does get hard. It does get hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> really just, um, <laughs> Come on. I'm going I'm, I'm to give my one point to Saligo. <laughs> so I've, got to find, I've got to find two in between, don't I? Yeah, you do. Um, oh, no, sorry. No, no definitely. Uh, yeah, I've, I've gone, given five to Dawson. I'm giving uh, four to Rob O'Brien. I'm giving yeah. three to Hately. Eight, yeah. Hately. I'm giving uh, two, two to Led and one to Saligo. Right. Okay, Nick. You got nowhere to hide now. I know it's 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 
bloody hard. Um, but as much as we were um, <laughs> annoyed at him, I actually think I'll give the five to Rob. Yep. And then I'd go the four. I think I'd, I'm going to give the four to Fogarty because I thought that right. was a, that was a good game for him. Um, in spite of the delivery and everything else that was happening, I can't actually. I can't actually believe that Maka left him out. To be honest, yeah. Yeah. Then I then I'll go Dawson. Yeah. Um, Hately. Yeah. And my one, I've got kind of got a bit of a, a, a toss up <laughs> for the one. Um, I'll I'll go Saligo as well. Because, yeah, no, 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 no. Berry. Berry. I like Berry's game. Right. Now, Mac, you just had a bit of an aneurysm about uh, uh, Darcy Fogarty. We didn't read his stats. He had six kicks, five handles, took five marks, uh, one hit out, one clearance, um, one goal assist. He had, uh, where are you, Darcy? He had uh, one contested mark. He had seven score involvements and six contested positions. So three goals, one and seven contest, uh, seven score involvements as a key forward when your team gets the ball inside forward 50, 36 times and half of those are kicked straight to Tom Stewart. I reckon that's a pretty good return. I think you're underselling Darcy a bit. I will, I will could be, but I didn't think he was second best, that was all. Yeah, it's just one of those things where there wasn't many great players. Um, I'm with you, Nick. I'll give... Uh, very hard, very hard. Yeah. Uh, O'Brien, for me, uh, despite his limitations, was probably our best. Um, I'm going to also give Fogarty four votes because I thought he was our most effective uh, forward. I'm going to give Hately three votes because I thought he was right. Uh, Dawson two votes and Barry one vote. So we're all sort of round the five players. You could interchange Barry and Saligo, I think. Um, just uh, it's a bit of a toss of the coin, as you said, Nick. So uh, yep. Yeah. So it, uh, and you're right. It was it was bloody. It was it was so hard because that's why I said I I need to still kind of think about this mm. because it it was such a horrible game it, there was great effort but we didn't have anybody for a full four quarter effort we had some that came in and out and you just kind of had to consider who actually for for the best effort who gave it yeah. Well, that's why, that's why I think you got a little bit harsh on Dawson who's had to be you know, about a thousand different spots and and uses the ball so well. But it's only a matter of opinion, and as I've always said, like I hope we've all got one. Yep, very good. Um, So to finish off, um, at the end of the day, you know, we lost by 42 points and we kicked 1,000 points ourselves, 13 points. You know, we kicked half of those, and half of those were easily gettable. It might have been a different story, although the Cats, I don't think, got out of second gear unless they had to. Uh, they always seem to have an answer when we got a bit of a run on. Um, but it's going to be very interesting yep. next week. Very interesting next week, Maka and Nikki, 
because yeah. I yeah. the West Coast game has danger written all over it. Well, if any if they're going to beat anybody, it'll be us because we'll do the wrong thing. But um, you know, surely, surely I, I, I watched them playing today, and well, they everybody should beat them. But and we're playing them at home too, aren't we? Yes, but and and we're massive favourites. And the last time that happened, we were absolute poo. Well. You're quite right, Nick. Um, look, with, with no fate, you'd have to pick him, though. Look, I think so, but uh, I just—it's one of those games that's just got massive, 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 massive danger written all over it to me. Um, just on a different note, Queen, uh midweek draft. What do you reckon we need? Well, that was—I was going to cover that off real quick. Um, just bear with me a second. I'm just doing something. Where am I? Right, there we are. Just messing around here. Don't mind me. Uh, mid-season draft. Interesting that we... Um, sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Interesting that we decided to put Seed and Sloan on the long-term injury list. Uh, it means that we're going to be in the frame by the looks of it. Um, look, it makes you wonder what it is that they're actually going to go for because um, potentially we've got two spots now to fill and I would imagine they might have a look at a key defender and I would imagine they might also try out a mature age midfielder. And that's exactly how I see it too, Fane. Um, uh Somebody, a, a tall defender, not a half-back flanker type, but a no, tall defender, yeah. if possible, because yeah. um, we are lacking a little bit of height down there, uh, and a midfielder, and hopefully one with with it's got a little bit of speed about it about them. Um, we don't want another Matt Crouch uh, accumulated doing nothing type. We want, if it's possible, um, and. If, Surely, with all the players that have nominated, and you look around the country, if our recruiting team has done their homework, and we're going to have, uh, what, pick four, I think it is, um, we should be able to get a reasonably good quality midfielder uh, who maybe is missing a draft or two and could can add something to the side. Um, I, I can't see the point in t- trying for a key forward unless uh, they have to be absolutely outstanding, but, but I can't see the point. I'd say, like, for me, it would be a key defender in a mid. Yeah. We we basically need a mid who has height, which Hamish seems to be allergic to picking. We also need a midfielder who actually is inclined more to kick the ball more than handball and actually has decent foot skills. Another thing, Hamish seems to be allergic to picking. (laughs) Well, there's, there's there's two ways to go here. And last year we picked Paddy Parnell, and I thought Paddy Parnell was a decent enough pick, but was obviously not AFL ready. I think this year we need yeah. to we need to pick a couple of twenty four year olds uh, that yeah, are great. AFL ready, uh, physically AFL ready, um, and you know potentially, hopefully, up to the standard that they can play some minutes. Uh, it's clear that um, Pedler is a little way off, um, and we just need. We need some polish. 
um, on the outside uh, at the moment. We just we just don't have um, anyone who can really stand out on the outside uh, of that or be that in-out midfielder that Harry was supposed to be. So that's where I'd go with it. Um, whether we take both the picks, I assume we will, considering we've made two spots available. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Yeah, and you, but you're quite right about the age group. Um, it's not, I don't think it's worthwhile getting us looking at the 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds, unless there's an outstanding one that slipped through somehow. But um, our gap in our team is in that, we don't have right. that 23, 24, 25 uh, age group very well represented at all. So That's right. That would, uh, that would fit in nicely with me. So, yeah, I think that would be about the age group I'd be looking for and uh, probably the same, the same type of person that you said, but with the qualities that Nicky said. All right, now we're getting up to the two-hour mark, so let's, we've got to round this off. So just quickly... Uh, we'll have a look at the tipping uh, as it's going along at the moment. Uh, we've got Brett uh, still going strong on 73, one over Terry on 72, Harry M and Kirk on 71, Nadine Elvis on 70, Rummy on 69 along with Barry, Jacob, Claire, Pogger and Jamie and then it tails away all the way down, all the way down and I got seven I think this week. So I wasn't, and I and I actually picked the uh, Frio upset. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't pick the Gold Coast one. Where am I? Eighty-one with an average of four point eight. Naka, do I even deserve to be running this podcast? So should I just chuck it in? <laughs> How can anyone take anything that I say seriously when I'm eighty-first in my own tipping comp? <laughs> Well, I, look, that doesn't mean <laughs> that's judging. That's judging a team, not an individual thing. So, um, let's say you're good with individuals. <laughs> uh, it's just a bit embarrassing, really. But never mind. Uh, but all right, so we're nearly at the two two hour mark. But uh, it'd be remiss of me if I didn't just do this real quick. So, Nikki, you're the front runner at the moment. So, you better have some say, good bloody nominations. Because you're always just going to say it's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. My, 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 I'll give you a nomination. Um, the fiasco that happened in the Sydney game uh, at the, as a, as a uh, siren ended uh, when the free kick paid out of, out of goal scoring range. And. Uh, the Sydney player Warner grabbed it with a joy and kicked it out of the ball out of the ground. Well, technically, if you pay it to the letter of the law, uh, there is an argument it would have been at 50 metres. I actually, you heard, you could hear the umpire talking, and in one you could hear him say at one stage, so it's a 50 metre penalty. No, that and wasn't then, the umpire that said that. That was a Richmond player that said that. Yep, that was oh, a Richmond player that said that. And the the umpire was actually checking upstairs to set uh, to ask when he actually kicked it 
um, was it like immediately when the siren went and and he was actually double checking about the crowd noise and whether he'd actually heard the whistle go. Oh, I thought the umpire said that, and I thought that was the no. Uh, but but, but no, was, actually, was, the, I was really happy with the umpires in that situation because they had a feel for the game. They actually had an understanding in that moment in time. He wouldn't have heard the whistle. Well, did you see the situation of the two fifty meter penalties played down the ground where a guy gets a free at uh, one end of the ground and gets carted all the way down the other end of the ground and gets a goal? Do you think that umpire had a feel of the game at that stage? No. So um, it's a question if they're going to act like they're going to dictate it to the letter of the law, then they're going to be that all the time. But um, I was just thinking, at the moment we've got a situation where umpires are turning into little Hitlers and dominate the situation. And, uh, yeah, so I, I would just nominate umpiring standards at the moment as a, a good cop womble. Well, the thing, the thing about that particular situation, Macker, is that the letter of the law, if I'm not mistaken, Nikki, is that when uh, someone doesn't give the ball back on the full or kicks the ball away or whatever, that's a, the 50-metre penalty for that is actually for time-wasting. Am I correct, Nick? Yes. Right, and you can't waste time can't... Once, the, once the siren's gone. Precisely. The end. Logic wins every time. No, I, I agree with you, Fiend. In fact, uh, I just think I'd hate all our 50 metres anyhow. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think it should be 25. But, yeah, yeah. I agree, Nick. Um, but I, I, I think I'm sure the siren had gone before he kicked the ball. So, yeah, yeah that's quite right. right. So, can't waste yeah, time because time's off. I, I agree that we've. We've still got a massive issue with the umpiring and the umpiring standards, um, and it's on some of those umpires um, because they're not good, and I don't think they're at the level. Uh, but then it's also on the coaches and the others putting them out there, and the stupid rules and the interpretation of the rules. Well, my cockwumble is actually the AFL because. They've got to do something right now because the crowds have not been lower for a long, long time. Uh, there is a massive disparity between uh, the top eight and the bottom eight. Probably the biggest disparity that I can re- recall between the top eight and the bottom eight, notwithstanding the two expansion teams. And the rules make the game almost unwatchable. So... The AFL have dug themselves into a big, big hole here because fans like me, and I'm sure you guys are the same and I'm sure plenty of our listeners are the same, I can't be stuffed watching. You know, I watch a Crows game, but but half the time the Crows games, they, um, they frustrate me. And... I watch other games and I think, how would I ever explain this to, to a, someone from overseas? The AFL have got to really look hard at the product they're putting on the ground. They, they've over, they've over, uh, what's the word? Like too many rules. Over finessed. Uh, too, they're trying to manipulate the game too much instead of allowing the rules to shape the game. And the other thing that I would say is that after how how many years have we had the draft officially in the in the AFL? Probably, ever since, oh, ever probably, since probably its inception, right? About 30 years. About 30 yeah. years. 
I, I think you could call it a failure right now. Completely and ugly. I think you could call the draft a failure. It is not doing what it's intended to do. It's not evening up the competition. Free agency has done nothing to free uh, to even up the competition. We've got two teams at the moment on 50%. That's an unheard of percentage in the AFL. We've got another few on 70-odd percent. The, the gap between the top and the bottom is massive. We're actually starting to... You know, people say that dynasties are difficult, and yet we've actually seen more dynasties in the last 20 years than we've seen for a long time. Um, you know, Good the point. Brisbane one, the Geelong one, the Hawthorne one, the Richmond one. Um, we had Sydney and West Coast fighting amongst themselves for a couple of years. Um, and we're likely to see a Melbourne one. So it's actually not doing what it's intended. To my way of thinking, it's one of the few situations where I think the NRL have got it right. Um, I think the AFL need to abolish the draft and just have the salary cap and allow free trade. Simple as that. I think it'll, I think in time, and I can't see it happening for a few years, but I think it will ultimately get to that. It has to. It's not worth it. Yeah, because the problem is they keep looking at the NFL and that's what they've based the draft on and everything else. But the NFL is an exceptionally flawed league, exceptionally flawed, and it just should not have been brought here um, purely um, and simply. I, th- I think one of the, like the over-officiating, I watched a bit of the um, Essendon-Port game Finlayson absolutely did the what you actually that rule was brought what you think that rule was brought in about umpire descent. Right? The ball's been punched over the line, a free kick hasn't been paid. He's immediately turned to the umpire. You can see clearly that he's sworn at the umpire, throwing his arms up and everything else, but because a free kick wasn't paid, they can't get him for descent. Yeah, the, it's the ridiculous. The stupidity of their rules. They don't understand the game. Yeah. And uh, it look, frustrates me. You know, the, the thing of it is there already is a rule for umpire's descent. There was one already. You can't abuse an umpire. Simple as that. There already yeah. was a, a rule. You know, and simply but, that's where you start, you start and end. You, you can, you could, I think you should be allowed to show your, your reaction to uh, your free kick because you're an emotional human being running around giving 100%, you don't necessarily agree with it, I think you should be allowed to throw your arms around and say, oh, you are joking or something like that. But the minute you call him names or say you're an idiot or you're a cheat or something like that, yeah. Well then, yeah, then you then you go. But so that, what they're doing, they're trying to make them into robots. Stand, don't have any emotion. It's ridiculous. It's the most unwatchable football has ever been. The stand rule, I can't Pardon the pun, stand it. I can't stand it. It's treating our players like kids. Oh, Millera. That, that one against Millera for holding the ball because the umpire didn't call stand. He's, being, he's marked the ball. The Geelong player has held on to him after the mark. I know, he's taking right? a step. Which you're, not allowed to, which, you, which you're not allowed to do. And 
because Miller has tried to move away from him, the umpire's called play on and then called holding the ball. It's like, uh, dude, do you actually not understand the rules yeah. you're given? Well, and the amount of times play on is called where a bloke's taken one step marginally off his line, it's like, that's not play on. They're, they're, like, you can't call play on when a bloke turns to look sideways, for God's sake. It's just... It, it is unwatchable at the moment. And and some of it is the umpire's fault because they're not umpiring well, but a lot of it is just these rules. And I don't actually yeah. envy a lot of the umpires um, for trying to umpire our game at the moment. I think the AFL have just shown themselves to be uh, so controlling in terms of the, pro- the product. That, and again, they don't trust the product. Why do they think AFL is the most popular sport in Australia? It was the most popular sport in Australia before they got their hands on it. They didn't actually have to do anything. All they had to do was market it. It was already the number one sport in Australia before they got their hands on it at all. And here we are 20, 30 years later, and we've got the umpires making 50 um, uh, frees a game, blowing the whistle every five minutes or every five seconds, calling stand every five seconds. they got the bloody mics on, so we, all we ever hear is the bloody umpires. It, I know, let's just, turn them up. Oh, my God, it drives you crazy, and I can't watch football anymore. I can barely watch the team that I support. Um, and the AFL have yeah. got to do something that about that because it's people are getting driven away. People are getting driven away. The crowds are low. Well, I think very clearly, very clearly, the uh, cop one will have to go to Brad Scott. Oh, no, very... it needs to go higher than that. It needs to go to Gil. Well, well, maybe it absolutely reason, goes to Gil. The only reason I nominated him is he's obnoxious as a player. He was obnoxious as a coach. Yeah, he's and now he's obnoxious in charge of umpires. He's an Gil Gil's the one who keeps putting play ex players in that role and approving that. I think. Let's just call it the yeah. AFL, shall we? Oh, totally yeah. lovely, the AFL. I mean, people um, don't go to neutral games anymore. How no. many times did you watch a game in Victoria? We tuned in with two opposing teams, which we didn't support, but we'd tune in to watch, and you look at the crowd and you would always see opposition Guernseys. Like, the Guernseys of people on people who neither of those teams are playing, but they'd go because they wanted to watch a game yeah. of football. All right, now... Anymore. Now, last thing to do before we go, we've obviously got our home ticket giveaway this week and uh, what a game it's going to be. Uh, a, a clash of the Titans, the Crows versus the Eagles, uh, probably pissing down with rain. <laughs> However, the challenge is on. I want to give these tickets away. So if anyone wants to go this week, spare me having to use the tickets myself so they don't go to waste. If anyone wants to go this week... <laughs> Put your name, only your name, in the tickets uh, channel. And um, hang on, before you, before anyone puts anything in the tickets channel, let me just clear it out. Where is it? Oh, shit, I don't know. Bloody tickets channel gone. Maka, did you steal the tickets channel? Oh, no. Anyway, that's all right. Put your name in the, in the tickets channel and... Uh, <laughs> Good on you, Vardy. And uh, we will definitely do our very best to give those tickets away to somebody who wants to go and uh, um, see the epic Titanic struggle between West Coast and the Crows uh, next weekend. Until then, 
that's it Nikki and Maka thanks uh, Maka for uh, plugging the gap and thanks Nikki for uh, coming on at all I guess <laughs> thanks Funny Magic for picking me going you're supposed to be on and I'm like what <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, who joined us on YouTube and Discord. Uh, don't forget. Uh, sorry we didn't get anyone on. Uh, it turned into a bit of a uh, bit of a ranty show, so apologies if anyone uh, was on the live chat that didn't get a chat. But there's always next week. Uh, if you want to support us, don't forget, support us at uh, patreon.com forward slash AFLCrowcast. Get your nominations in for the tickets this week. And we will see you next. Oh, and uh, look out this week because I'm pretty sure there'll be a player interview sometime during the week. Uh, so if you're a patron, uh, look out on the Patreon page. I'll drop a message in there. You know you can come into the Discord, uh, the Patreon Discord channel and listen live while I do the interview. Um, I think it'll be Tuesday afternoon. Um, and uh, then we will release that as a standalone on YouTube and on uh, Spreaker as well on our on iTunes and all the other audio um, platforms during the week. All right. Thanks, Mac. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Yeah, good night, all. Night, all.